0: Looking to catch up on the latest Star Wars books? Try listening to them on audio. Featuring sound effects and music directly from the movies, Star Wars audiobooks are the definitive listening experience. From brand new audiobooks such as Alphabet Squadron and the audiobook exclusive Dooku Jedi Lost to our blockbuster movie tie-in editions, you'll have plenty to keep you entertained. Start listening wherever audiobooks are sold. This episode of Coffee with Kenobi is brought to you by MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. For all of your travel needs The Disney theme parks, the cruise lines, or anywhere you want to go on vacation, be sure to go to our affiliate link, which can be found in the show notes, on the front of our webpage, or on our Twitter feed, and sign up for a free, no-obligation quote. We are also brought to you by One Nation Coffee, the official brew of Coffee with Kenobi. For the best coffee in the galaxy... Go to www.OneNationCoffee.com and sign up for a subscription service so you never miss out on the best coffee in the galaxy.
1: This is Andy Gutierrez from StarWars.com and you are listening to Coffee with Kenobi with Dan Z. This is the podcast you're looking for. This is Vanessa Marshall, Harrison Dula from Star
0: Wars Rebels and you're listening to Coffee with Kenobi. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Coffee with Kenobi, show number 285. We are your spoiler-free place for Star Wars discussion, analysis, and rhetoric. I'm here drinking One Nation coffee out of my original Coffee with Kenobi mug from 2013. It's so fun to look at this thing. It's got a much different look than the actual logo we've been using for, oh, since 2014. But the original was kind of a tan background. With a blue logo with white writing. And then Corey made a coffee mug with the Jedi Temple logo on it, actually. And it's got some of the stuff you know and love from the logo we have used for so many years. I'll be sure to reference that in social media this week to be sure. Speaking of this week on today's show, Coffee with Kenobi listener Colby Mead joins me to discuss his day with his family at Galaxy's Edge. It's a great conversation you're not going to want to miss. Tom is back with the news, and I have an email from LJ that I think is really going to be interesting to each and every one of you. So pull up a chair, grab your favorite coffee mug, and let's have some coffee with Kenobi. So who
2: talks first? You talk
0: first? I talk first? Joining me today for a cup of coffee is a huge Star Wars fan and a great supporter of Coffee with Kenobi. Please welcome first-time guest Colby Mead. Is it too cliche to say hello there, Dan? No, it's actually excellent. (laughs) Well, hello there. (laughs) It's great to have you, my friend. Uh, We've got a lot to talk about. You recently went to Galaxy's Edge, and you did a wonderful post for the website, which I really appreciate. And so did many of our Coffee with Kenobi family members, which is always a good thing. But before we get into that, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and your history as a Star Wars fan.
2: Oh, yeah, my pleasure. Uh, I'm the -the run-of-the-mill Star Wars fan that uh, I'm sure everybody out there that's listening is. Uh, I don't actually have a memory of seeing the first, the original Star Wars uh, or Empire Strikes Back. But uh, by the time eight-year-old me walked into a theater in in 1983 to watch Return of the Jedi, I, I had already seen them on video or home video or something because I was already all in, had action figures and just spent... Hours and hours playing with those things with friends. Uh, so when I walked in and saw Return of the Jedi, you know, it just, it blew my mind. And it was that moment that so many people talk about. I ran home from that theater and looked through my entire house and looked for a black glove so I could throw it on my hand and wear it like Luke Skywalker did after he got shot on that uh, barge. And I ran outside and just took on the Empire in my, in my imagination. So from then on out, you know, it's, it was bittersweet after that, you know, we, we thought we were saying goodbye to the movies. And then again, in the late nineties, it was back. And this time I was a father and I got to enjoy it with my kids. And after that, you know, thought we would say goodbye again. And, and then Disney bought Lucasfilm and uh, just, it's led to this Renaissance and we're all just um, enjoying being star Wars fans again. And I'm not sure we're ever going to say goodbye to it again, to be honest.
0: Yeah, not as long as it continues to make the money that it has. I think. And, <laughs> I don't think we have a problem and, with that? <laughs> no, no. And honestly, also, we as long as we continue to have quality, because I think we've got a lot of quality. And you mentioned your family and your family dynamic. And I, of course, not, have not had the good fortune to meet you and your family as at the time of this recording. But hopefully someday, maybe at celebration, perhaps. That would be good. But but you obviously have incorporated Star Wars into your family dynamic. Kind of talk to me about how that works uh, with, with, your, with your kids and then with your spouse.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I can relate to you quite a bit, Dan, when you say that uh, your wife maybe isn't the same level of fan as, as you are with Star Wars, but she is a fan of yours. Yes. And I, I really can't agree with you more because it's the same thing. Um, my wife you know, is magnificent. And she supports, you know, this my fandom and this and the creativity that's inspired in me, a hundred percent. And um, and you know, I, I wouldn't even be on this podcast talking to you right now if it weren't for her encouragement. So she's she's magnificent. Uh, my kids, actually, my oldest was um, in my wife's belly when we saw the Phantom Menace in, in uh, theaters in 1999, and I just remember coming out of the out of the. The theater, And my wife looked at me and said that he was doing as many flip-flops and uh, moving around as much as the Jedi were when they were taking on Darth Maul, like <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi and Qui-Gon Jinn. He was enjoying it from the womb. Uh, and then a couple years later, my youngest was born. And, you know, as they grew older, they got to watch the Clone Wars animated series. And uh, they, they didn't see, you know, uh, Revenge of the Sith until later on, uh, just because it's such a powerful movie. Uh, but I can tell you that my little one would run around and just entertain our whole family, naming all the Jedi and the different light light uh, saber colors that they had. Uh, and, you know, they've just, it's been a part of their life as long as it was a part of my life when I was a kid. And, and, and even to, you know, we'll talk about this, but experiencing Galaxy's Edge with them was, it was just sort of surreal. It was amazing.
0: And we yeah, we were definitely going to talk about that for sure because you've done something at Galaxy's Edge that I have never done, and that is you have brought your family. Yeah. So you are the expert family man. I'm gonna to come to you with all of my family Galaxy's Edge questions.
2: <laughs> and I'll be happy to, to answer them. Uh, it, I, I actually thought about that um, when we were there and, and I you know, to be quite honest, I thought I, I listened to a lot of the coverage that you provided, the the fantastic coverage Thank leading you. up to it. Yeah, it was great, and, um, and, I, and I had thought about that, actually, as you were uh, providing that coverage, and I thought, I know you're a family man, and I was thinking of the same thing. I said, I, I can't wait for Dan to be able to take his family with him, because to experience it ourselves is one thing, and, and it's an amazing experience, but when you get to take your family there and experience it through them, it's, it's going to be fantastic. I look forward, forward to it for you.
0: Oh, amen to that. And I really appreciate you saying that. I, I have talked with my son uh, about it a lot, my, my entire family. In fact, when I came home from the airport, our oldest, I walked in the door and he told me hello. And he was, Dan, have you been to Galaxy's Edge? And I had my I had a hat and a T-shirt on. <laughs> so he was having a little fun with me, but he knows how excited I was and how excited you were as well. So let's go ahead and, and go to the beginning of this. When did you first uh, realize Well, actually, no, let's go even further back. When you first found out about this project, about Galaxy's Edge, about a 14-acre land being built on both coasts at the Disney theme park, what went through your mind?
2: To be quite honest, it was so far in the future that I had to temper my excitement from the beginning. Because I would have driven myself crazy thinking about it. Uh, when is it coming out? When is it coming out? And trying to gobble up details as they were releasing. As you know, early on there really wasn't much to go on. Um, so I sort of I played the long game in my own mind and said, "Okay, relax, Colby, because this is going to be magnificent." I've always loved Disneyland. If I could, if I could share that with you, real quick. I, I grow. I grew up um, going to Disneyland. Um, you know, not. Not even annually, but it was close enough to my house to have gone. I'm one of those privileged folks that can say I've been there pretty much every era of my life as a young kid, as a teenager, as, a, as a early 20s, as a young father uh, in my 20s and 30s. Uh, and I've always loved it. It's You go there and your imagination just goes wild. And I appreciate the details, just being there, seeing things. So knowing that they were going to be responsible to bring uh, a Star Wars themed land. And it wasn't just Star Wars land, more rides like Star Tours, which would have been great. Uh, But that wasn't, wasn't what it was going to be. It was going to be something different. So thrilled, absolutely thrilled. But I did temper my excitement in the beginning just because it was going to be so far out.
0: And then we fast forward a little bit or a lot bit. I mean, it certainly was a long wait, but uh, there was so much great content and so many other things going on in the world. It was easy to just sort of, you know, exercise our Jedi patience, which you obviously did. Yeah, so definitely. when did you decide and did you tell your, to your, your wife, Hey, we need to go to this when it opens. How did that happen?
2: You know, I'm glad you asked because uh, it it is, it, it wasn't ever going to happen in my mind. You know, In in February, I think it was, is when they opened it up, when people like Clayton Sandell went, uh, and they got the the very limited amount of media, and they walked them through, and you had, I think it was a a two-part episode with Clayton talking about his experiences.
0: Yes, Yes, I remember Uh, that guy. (laughs) I
2: listened to that. I I actually uh, have been a hockey coach, youth hockey coach, for a long time, and I was – very uh, fortunate down that, that weekend that that episode came out the, the weekend after it came out. I was driving to, I believe it was San Diego and I'm in Los Angeles. So, you know, depending on traffic and whatnot, it, it could be anywhere from a three to four hour drive. So I listened to both parts of those episodes and Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was great because number one, it made the drive go by very quickly and I couldn't get enough. I couldn't get enough of what Clayton was talking about. And I honestly, I, I think that's when really the excitement started to, to stir. But even in February, I thought to myself, no, no, no. The, the crowds are going to be insane. Uh, it is not a cheap trip to take a family of four to Disneyland. Mm-mm. So this is something I'm going to try to be responsible with and we can save up and pick the right time. And in my mind, I said, let's give it a year. So maybe in February 2020 or somewhere thereabouts. Uh, so, again, I was really trying to temper that excitement. Um, so going through, you know, Star Wars Celebration and uh, the, the, the months after all of the news started to hit after the February media viewing, um, we as a family had been talking about going on a vacation for my youngest son's graduation. Uh, and it was going to be a special vacation we don't take a ton of special vacations, but um this time we were thinking about let 's fly to hawaii let's fly to costa rica let 's fly somewhere let's go somewhere For my oldest, we went to New York, so we were thinking about this something similar um so it came time we, you know we just kept on sort of pushing off the plans of that uh of that vacation, and it was never going to be galaxy's edge. That was never in a conversation uh, i don't know why <laughs> but it just wasn't. So the day that we actually sat down to make these plans like okay what vacation are we going to go to was actually the day that the reservations went live on the website and they were gone in 2 hours. Yeah. So whatever day that happened to be that was the day we were sitting down making plans like let's decide where we're going to go and what we're going to do and let's start making some reservations. And it just wasn't working out then it you know to be quite honest the flights and the time of when our vacation days were and Uh, it just, nothing was really ringing our bell. So we were going through all these different options. And, and I remembered that that day, the reservations for galaxy's edge went live. And I looked at my wife and I said, why don't we ask Luke, who is my youngest son, uh, named after after the named after the, the, uh, the actual, the Dr. Luke of the new Testament, but it really worked out nicely if I'm honest,
0: (laughs) No I, no, I understand. That's, that's great. Well, and you have your priorities correct, of course.
2: Right. Well, and, and I wasn't going to um, uh, go back on, oh, Luke, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> wink, wink, right? <laughs> uh, so we a- I asked my wife, I said, what about this? You know, what if we booked a night at the Disneyland Hotel and that comes with the reservation? And then, of course, we went to Luke and we said, Luke, you know, we've been talking about XYZ vacation spots and what if we went to Batu?". And he looked at me and he goes, why wasn't that first on the list? (laughs) That's good parenting right there. (laughs) Thank you. So, and then from there, it really unfolded in maybe a two hour, um, just two hours of excitement and and thrill because then I realized this is going to happen. This is actually going to happen and it's going to happen way earlier than I ever anticipated. Uh, So we did, we booked the room, we got, you know, we started making our plans and we ended up getting uh, tickets, uh, two day tickets, not the park hopper kind, but the tickets where we could go to one, uh, one park and then the other and waited to hear where our, our reservations were going to be. And that came a few days later in email.
0: There's nothing quite like getting those sort of emails. (laughs) Right. Just seeing the subject and who it's from and just knowing what it entails is a pretty fantastic thing. And I, and I love your story. I love how it organically happened because I think a lot of people initially were worried about the crowds, about the availability and things like that. Mm. And I think Disney's done such a beautiful job of organizing this and creating this atmosphere and this ability to make things happen. I mean, a four hour window, you can do a lot in four hours. And of course now the reservation thing is gone and, And things are a little bit different now, but you are among the very first ever set foot on Batu, Yeah. Which is extraordinary. So let's talk a little bit about the planning. What did you do to kind of make the most of your experience? And I'm sure a lot of people would like to hear your tips and your advice for when someone first goes there for the first time. Absolutely. And then after the break, we're going to we'll go a little more. Uh, specifically into certain areas, but this is just sort of an overall look at what you did to get ready for it. Besides, of right. course, having a cup of coffee with us.
2: <laughs> right. I was worried, to be honest, uh, because as the park opened up, and of course you provided great content, and especially through Patreon uh, and, and the CWK lens, uh, I was on my phone waiting for the notification <laughs> as as you were leading up to it. And Oh, thank uh, you. Yeah, no it it was it was tremendous, and it really, you know, and and like like celebration. I really felt I wasn't there, but I really felt like I was there. I was getting just wonderful, um, wonderful coverage, uh, and and I was enjoying every minute of it because it was like every time I got a, a new tweet or a new email, not an email, but a new notification that Lens had a new post. It was like getting that email again with the reservation, uh, so it was just exciting. Um, oh, that's, great. So, that's great. but what I was afraid of was that I was going to ruin the experience. Uh, I'm very big on non-spoilers like you are, yes. and I didn't want to overdo it, uh, because I wanted to experience so much when I did get there. But I'll be honest with you, Dan, I'm so glad that I did what I did because I felt like I was informed going in mm-hmm. and the decisions being made on that day were informed decisions that came from social media coverage coverage, and some people that I know that had been there the weekend before and some tips that were just, um, so helpful, so helpful. Uh, so our, our reservation ended up being on the second day of our, of our stay and from 8am to noon. And I couldn't have asked for a better window. I could not have asked for a better window because we were able to get, Positioned properly and very well, so that we could experience um, what we wanted to experience and not have to worry about, you know, the thousand or two thousand people in front of us
0: (laughs) or more. Right. That is extraordinary. I, this just makes me happy to hear because I just, I know how excited I am or was being able to go there for the first time. And, and your pictures were great online that I was able to see. Um, you clearly Thank had you. a ball. There are a lot of specific things that happened that we want to talk about. But before we do that, let's take a quick break and Tom will join us to bring us the latest Star Wars news. This is Coffee with Kenobi. And now, let's see what's brewing in the Star Wars universe this week. Oh, wait. This is interesting. You found something. I'm about to let everyone in on the secret. It's news time, which means our buddy Tom Gross is in studio with us. Tom, what's going on? Well, hello. It's
1: so great to be here
0: and in out
1: of the heat, sir. Are, no are you feeling
0: that? <laughs> I am such a fan of not being hot in humidity and in Illinois here. It's Today, I looked at the car and it was 95 degrees. Yeah. yeah I'm, with, with the heat index, I think it's... Uh, 704 out something like that so it's it's pretty hot something like that yeah Yeah.
1: we were just out playing uh my my daughters all season long haven't wanted to to practice hitting uh until it was you know 95 degrees and humid and you know heat index of 102 so we've been out today uh doing some batting practice (laughs) perfect (laughs) so yeah good stuff um but uh but hey Besides all that kind of good stuff, we've got a couple mm. stories uh, for Star Wars, so let's jump right in. In its continued celebration of 20 years with Star Wars, LEGO announced this week that it will launch two brand new sets to commemorate the film that got it all star- started, Star Wars A New Hope. LEGO will showcase these sets at San Diego Comic-Con, and the first set, if you haven't seen it, is a land speeder set that comes with... The Landspeeder, of course, but then the figures are Luke, 3PO, and a Jawa. And the second set is Ben Kenobi's hut. With the hut, of course, and uh, Ben Kenobi, Luke, R2D2, and a Tusken Raider. A feature of the Ben Kenobi set is that the the um, top of the hut pops open to reveal an interior inside, like many Lego sets do. Um, and according to Forbes.com, the set, both of these sets will retail individually for $29.99.
0: So this is exciting. I mean, Lego is is great. I mean, I was just telling my wife the other day that Star Wars is responsible for saving Lego from bankruptcy, basically, in the early 90s. Yeah. And my son Mason is such a huge fan of Lego, especially Star Wars Legos. I'm thrilled about this. Now, we've had a number of land speeder iterations through Lego already, mm-hmm. so I'd be interested in looking at a comparison of all of them to this point. Does the, does the article address that at all?
1: Uh, no, it doesn't really go into any comparisons of the land speeder looking at the picture of the land speeder. It looks like it's the one that's kind of torn up, um, after the, uh, Tuscan Raiders, uh, get to it, but I could be wrong on that. Um, what, here's what I really like about these two sets is first of all, they're at least the Ben Kenobi hut is super unique. I think it's such a cool little piece. Um, and First of, uh, I guess next then is the price is really doable. It's not one of these like mega sets, um, you know, thousands and thousands of pieces types of sets. But they're they're small manageable sets, and they go together well. And if you buy both of these sets, you're walking away with. And I know for collectors, collectors, this is a big deal. You're walking away with seven uh, Lego uh,
0: minifigures. Which is great. I love the mini figures cool. are sometimes the coolest part. And often you can only I mean you can only get them inside these things unless you find a knockoff somewhere. So I think this is great and I think the price point is an important part of that. Now, what I was realizing is that next year for celebration Anaheim we'll be looking at the fortieth anniversary of the Empire Strikes Back. So just imagine what kind of stuff Lego's like gonna have for us then.
1: <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Clear out some space. <laughs>
0: clear out some space for some Legos. No kidding. What else you got?
1: Yep, Marvel Comics uh, monumental issue number 1000 will be coming out in August, and Star Wars will be included. Issue 1000, which is in celebration of the release of Marvel Comics number one 80 years ago from the Marvel House of Ideas, will include 80 teams who will be creating page-long stories. The one-page Star Wars story will be written by Charles Soule, who wrote Poe Dameron, and included... Uh, and including the art of Terry Dotson, who, if you recall, uh, was in on the Princess Leia mini-series. Uh, um, now, while details of the brief story are top secret, StarWars.com has released a panel from the issue which shows Vader with this lightsaber hilt in hand, and it appears the setting is uh, quite smoky, and there even appears to be maybe a little bit of smoke coming off of Vader himself. <laughs> this looks to be quite the history of uh, history uh, issue of Marvel comics,
0: which makes now it puts it at the top of my list because I, I mean, I love comics. I've collected comics for years. We've certainly talked about this plenty on CWK pour over over the past mm-hmm. couple of years, but sometimes stuff feels more like a trick or a gimmick to get you to buy something. But when Charles soul is writing something that is Darth Vader or star Wars related, it's not a gimmick. It's it's excellent storytelling. So I am all in for this one for sure. And the panel looks gorgeous. Oh, doesn't
1: it? It looks great, and I I just think it's really neat. I, what I do wonder is, um, will we get any classic Marvel Star Wars in a book like this? Hmm. Um, Jackson the Rabbit, uh, any of those? Um, but uh, but it looks like a lot of fun. I love the concept where you're just going to get a taste of. Marvel history, every page you turn in this book, it just sounds really cool. And boy, what a what a effort to put eighty teams in charge oh, of uh, of these pages. It's it's going to be huge.
0: I, can't I love wait. it. I can't wait either. And I love that Marvel is doing that thing where they're reproducing classic issues uh, from all mm-hmm. different kinds of comics. Then they're all like they're not number ones, but they're just. You know, they're just spotlighting key ones, and I picked up a couple over the past couple weeks just for fun. And I like what they're doing. I like how they're celebrating this. Uh, And so far, I mean, you could probably tell me otherwise, but so far we're not having some massive, you know, epic crossover with all the titles that, you know, two months after it's released, everything is back to status quo. (laughs) Nothing that's out of
1: the ordinary. Yeah, Yeah, nothing that's out of the
0: ordinary. So that's good. No, this is good. Good stuff. Good, uh, good short and sweet. Uh, Star Wars news and who knows what the next week will bring us Tom thank you so much
1: oh it's my pleasure
0: let's go ahead and take a break when we come back I'll return to my conversation with Colby Mead about his impressions of Galaxy's Edge this is Coffee with Kenobi greetings this is Obi-Wan Kenobi and you're listening to Coffee with Kenobi (laughs)
2: A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online so any small business
0: can drive change or build an empire. We need a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. Start different at GoDaddy.com. Looking to catch up on the latest Star Wars books? Try listening to them on audio. Featuring sound effects, top-notch narrators, and music directly from the movies, Star Wars audiobooks are the definitive listening experience. From Luke Skywalker, to Kylo Ren, to Admiral Ackbar, you'll recognize all of your favorite characters. Listen to movie tie-ins like The Last Jedi and The Force Awakens, and original titles such as Alphabet Squadron, Master and Apprentice, and the audiobook exclusive Dooku Jedi Lost. With Star Wars audiobooks, you'll have plenty of Star Wars listening to keep you entertained available wherever audiobooks are sold. While we're listening to conversation from Colby about Galaxy's Edge and planning this epic vacation where you get to experience Star Wars in a whole new way, you probably want to find a way to do this that is the most stress-free and helps you maximize your vacation time and dollar. That is why you should use MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. They have a no-cost, no-obligation quote when you use the service, and they also... Proactively adjust a booking if a rate goes down. They will help your family enjoy everything, and I mean everything the Disney theme parks and the cruise lines have to offer, help plan every detail, and will share invaluable tips with you. If you are wanting to go to Batu in Disneyland or Walt Disney World to Galaxy's Edge, MEI and Mouse Fan Travel is the absolute way to go. Be sure to go to our affiliate link, which can be found in the show notes, on the front of our webpage, or on social media and sign up for a free, no-obligation quote. If you love Coffee with Kenobi and you want to find a way to help support our show, our Patreon page is an excellent way to do that. And speaking of that, I would love to thank our Coffee with Kenobi Patreon contributors, Jason Hall, Rebecca Raven, Dennis Keithley, Colby Mead, Yancey Evans, Dave Ritchie, Ross Hallibin, Frank Mulder, Alexander Moylan, Melinda Wolfe, Aaron Harris, Chris Kavarka, Angela Sauce, Mediocre Jedi, Christine Turk, Sean Reed, Kurt McKellen, Dan Ream, Bryce Harding, Blake Weaver, Jim Capron, Caroline Masselli, Chris Metz, LJ Souter, Thea Selby, Jeff Ellis, Daz Davies, Brian McKinney, Connie Shee, Jared Cantor, BJ Smith, Eric Struthers, Nick Deco, and Mark Suter. Your monthly contribution to Coffee with Kenobi does not go unnoticed. It does so much to help our show with the travel, with the equipment, with the amount of time and passion and love I put into the show. You help to make it possible, and I can't thank you enough. And you get something out of it, as well as supporting us. You get access to CWK Pourover, which is our weekly podcast that myself, Tom Gross, and Corey Club do where we talk about all kinds of popular culture topics, Star Wars behind the scenes of this show, and so much more. In addition to that, we have CWK Lens, which is something where I do video and photos that I post just for you, where you get access to things that no one else gets to find out about that goes on within the show, my immediate thoughts and reactions to different Star Wars topics, and so much more. But I also have a really big announcement that I'm going to talk about later in the show, about cwk prover and how we can use that to help make this world a different place a better place another way to help people that goes beyond helping out coffee with kenobi that i'm going to talk about towards the end of the show so be sure to stay tuned for that in the meantime if you have any questions or want to see what patreon's coffee with kenobi page is all about be sure to go to www.patreon.com slash coffee with kenobi to sign up today we are back, and Colby is about to share some more specifics of what happened at Galaxy's Edge. So, Colby, obviously, the first thing I need to ask you, you walk through the land. Which, First of all, which entrance did you come through? So we went through the Frontierland entrance, and, okay.
2: and it was such a unique experience even getting there because, as I said, our reservation was 8, to 8 a.m. to noon. Uh, come to find out one of the tips that was very helpful was that the reservations were the, were going to be, or the wristbands were going to be given out two hours before your reservation time. Yes, That meant for us 6 AM <laughs> on Wednesday, June 12th. Uh, so we literally were walking through Disneyland's gates at six in the morning. Uh, and that was a a day, a day after we had gone to California adventure for, whatever it was 12, 14 hours. So, uh, needless to say, uh, we were fatigued, but there was nothing that was going to stop my feet from moving because the adrenaline, the excitement literally just infused (laughs) every step. Uh, so we walked through Disneyland main street and we hang, we hung a right over to, um, it was a star Wars landing bay where they were giving out the wristbands and then, which was a fun experience in and of itself. Then they told us to go wait in the Tomorrowland area where they have the food gate. I think it's Docking Bay 7, I believe, uh, where they have a little restaurant. And there we stood for 90 minutes. We waited from about 6.30 or 6.15 to about 7.45. And that, if you were to tell me I would be happy to stand around and do nothing for 90 minutes, does not sound thrilling to me. It was a wonderful experience. Because oh,
0: I have no doubt because everybody in there was collectively experiencing the same feelings and sensations that you were. It was great. It was such a fun crowd, and they had wonderful Star Wars T-shirts that I had never seen before.
2: And an older couple arrived and were dressed like Han and Leia in The Force Awakens. Oh wow! And it was great. So it wasn't a full costume; like it didn't look. It wasn't violating any Disneyland policy. Let's let's be clear on that. But it was just enough to be magnificent. And I even went over there and I said, you guys are dressed great. You look great. Uh, So we waited. And then from there, 745 ish AM, they started walking us across the park. Uh, And you talk about anticipation building and excitement. The crowd just, it was, it was electric. It was so much fun. Uh, So they got us to the frontier land uh, entrance to galaxy's edge. And then they said, they're going to scan your wristband. And I thought to myself, "This may be chaotic," but it didn't. It it was definitely there was some power walking going on. There was n- no running. <laughs> they were very good about shutting anybody down that started to take a trot or two. Uh, so we like walked through. Right. <laughs> right, they were very good. They they were they were lifeguards, just not in the water. Uh, so we walked through this tunnel, and the thing that I noticed beyond. You know the the excitement that I was now walking into this place uh, was the change of the of the walls. The walls that we were going through they started out as the orangish rocky frontier land, sort of the um, the roller coaster that's right there, whose name is is oh Thunder me. Mountain, Big Thunder Mountain. Thank yeah. you. It's all sort of like that as you're walking through, and then it changes gradually into the more brown uh, lighter brown of Mm Batu, And And I just knew the way it transitions to, it really is. It really is. And that's really what, what is amazing to me is the detail that people will find in this place. So as I walk through the tunnel, uh, we did get a very good tip from my sister-in-law and her fiance that had gone the week before the weekend before and said, there's going to be two people, one that's going to take you to Oga's Cantina and one that will take you to Savvy's workshop. So if you want to go to the other, you're going to want to go with one of them because the reservations will probably fill up. There's limited capacity, obviously. So if you want to go to one of those two places, you'll definitely want to go and get the reservation early. And that is exactly what happened. We saw mm-hmm. the, the cast member going to Ogo's Cantina, walking off and yelling very loudly and making sure everyone knew. And then we saw the person going off to Savvy's workshop. Well, I wanted to make sure I got that lightsaber because yeah. of that tip that you gave everybody. <laughs> if you have one thing to do, that's what you would do. Yep. And that's what I wanted to do. So that's, that's the direction that we headed.
0: Very good. So before we get to that, um, just real, because I would want to talk to you a lot about, about Savvy's workshop, but, uh, was, was that, did that end up being the case that it was the one thing you would have done if you could only do one thing or was there something else?
2: So I would have to change my answer now because I've done the lightsaber. <laughs> so I'm not sure I would go back and, and, and do, uh, I would, I would want to go and watch somebody do it because I don't need another lightsaber. Right. Although, you know, I could probably be talked into if, if the, if the circumstances came about, Sure. Uh, but if I were to go back to go through that experience again, is absolutely something I would do again. I would absolutely, it's, it is magical. And I know
0: someone comes to you and says, this is my first time going. What's the one thing I have to do? What do you tell them?
2: My personal opinion is definitely go build a lightsaber.
0: Okay. Interesting. Build
2: build that lightsaber. Of course, it's going to differ based on fan you know, and, and what is important to them since the beginning of remembering these memories of star Wars that are in my brain. I have always loved lightsabers. I've loved the sound of them. I've loved when they've ignited and when you're fighting, it's just amazing to me and it always has been. Mm -hmm. So that is definitely something that was, uh, it, it was, I think you've referred to it this way. It's a mountaintop experience. It for is. Star Wars fandom it, it is it's something else
0: it is in 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 uh ever since I've come home uh at first I was a little gun shy about messing with it just I just would turn it on and play with it and yeah have fun with my son by the way you went on June 12th that's Mason's birthday so have fun oh
2: we'll happy it
0: <laughs> that's great so he he and I have uh I said oh I want to show you the kyber crystal so <laughs> I, uh I've taken that thing apart and put it back together probably about 15 or 20 times since then. And I yeah. feel pretty proficient with it, which is great. Uh, and Mason has done it, too. So when he finally goes to Savvy's, he's going to be a pro, which is pretty cool.
2: It's <laughs> funny. I experienced the same thing. I was nervous about, you know, this is something that was made in such a unique experience. And it's not something that... Um, I would want to break. <laughs> so I, the first time I was showing it to people like you, uh, I was a little nervous about twisting that handle and opening up that chamber where the Kyber crystal is. But I tell you, these things are made so well. Yes, uh, and I referenced it in the uh, in the article that I wrote. This is it's it's a toy, but it's not a toy. It's 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 a collectible that can be used as a toy if you wanted to have a, a quick lightsaber fight. I don't know that you would want to go crazy, but, uh, they are durable. They're heavy, they're metal. Uh, and they're wonderful. They, I'm looking at my sons right now. Actually, Luke, uh, was next to me. Um, and we are the two that, that built the lightsabers and my older son, Caleb and my wife, uh, were, were really sort of our, uh, videographers <laughs> and our, um, they captured our the images and the moments, uh, Really, really well, and something that I couldn't thank them enough for because now I have these all these pictures to go back and look and just relive it because it is such a wonderful experience. But the product itself is worth every penny of, of two hundred dollars. It really is.
0: Oh, I agree. You're paying for that. You're paying for the experience and the the flexibility you have of of changing. You change the dynamic. You can change the kyber crystal uh, as a different sound to your lightsaber. Yeah. There's a different feel. It's pretty great, but speaking of great, I can't have you on talking about Galaxy's Edge for the first time and not ask your impressions of when you saw the Falcon for the first time. Did you leave Savvy's and go right to the Falcon, or how did that work? You know, it's, that's exactly how it happened. And it
2: was just by chance. It was not uh, planned. We walked out. And, and a real quick story um, on the way out of Savvy's workshop, uh, Luke, we, they were handing out the cases that they give to you, which are beautiful cases. They have foam rubber on the inside so you can put that lightsaber in there, strap it around your shoulder or your back, and you're not afraid of something crashing into it and breaking. And, and I'm sure it's wrapped up all in the cost, but it's not, I mean, Let's be honest, Disney could have said, oh, and for, you know, 35 more dollars, we can sell you this case. But they didn't. They just hand it to you so that you can protect this lightsaber uh, as you're walking around Galaxy's Edge. Right. So the man that was handing these out to us uh, handed uh, one to Luke. And (laughs) Luke, uh, he looks at him and he goes, hey, where can I buy some death sticks? (laughs) Did he really? <laughs> he did he did. And I just rolled my eyes and shook my head. And and the guy it took him off guard. He said, I'm sorry, what? He goes, Where can I buy some death sticks? And he goes, Oh, oh, um, those are illegal, sir. <laughs> oh wow, that's great. That's so funny. That's outstanding. It is. And that's what you get when you go there. This is a place where you can literally play like that. And so we walked out of the exit and we turned right. And you know, and I'm still reeling really in the best possible way from mm-hmm. this experience that we just walked out of. And I'm just sort of looking at this case that I, I made sure that I got the lightsaber in the case the right way. And I'm zipping it up because it has a little, a couple ties where you can sort of tighten them and so it won't fall out. And my oldest, Caleb, he taps me on the shoulder and I look at him, which happened, he happened to be on my left. Uh, I looked at him and I said, Yeah. And he pointed. <laughs> Uh, the opposite way, which was to my right, and he said, "Look," and the vantage point that we were at, we could see the Falcon, and and like I, I, I mean, time froze. It really did. Time froze, and I'm just going to be completely honest. Um, I it did feel. Have you seen the X Men movie where where Professor X freezes time and nothing is moving? Yes, but he's having a conversation. I felt it felt like that. Mm -hmm. I was sitting there, and I I try not to exaggerate. I am not a fan of exaggeration. Um, When something is good, call it good. You don't have to call it great. Right. Uh, Because when you find something great, then what are you going to call it?
0: Exactly. Uh, It takes away from the power. If everything is good, then really nothing is good. Exactly.
2: But in this moment, it really did feel like that. I stopped, and I just looked at the side of the falcon, and I remembered – This is the ship that I had played with as a boy, you know, in my own mind. And I was flying around my, my bedroom or my backyard, but I really wasn't. I was flying through the galaxy chasing after empire or the empire or being chased by the empire. And, you know, and I felt that, uh, this, I didn't talk about it in Savvy's workshop, but I had a very emotional moment building that lightsaber that I Not going to give any details away because I'm glad I didn't get any details going into it. But I had another emotional moment like that when I saw the Falcon for the first time. And, uh, you know, through a a couple seconds passed and I started to just slowly walk towards this really magnificent achievement. This thing in in the centerpiece of this land, which is a a remarkable achievement of its own. This, this Millennium Falcon that I've been watching since I was a boy was in front of me. My son had just introduced me to it. And we walked little by little. And, you know, I didn't cry, didn't weep, but I definitely got some tears in my eyes and choked up. And I look back and my wife and my son have their phones out. And I think that sort of snapped me into reality a little bit because I realized, okay, I can't make too much of a fool of myself here. And I looked at my wife and I said, What a piece of junk. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just it was so much fun. It was joyful.
0: Yes. Joy is the good word. And in your now that I think about it, time does sort of stand so because you're just sort of like for what for just that for that for those moments, that brief moment when you first see it, and everyone else is reacting viscerally as well. It really does take your breath away in the most uh, wonderful way possible. So then you find yourself. Oh, by the way, I have to insert this before I forget. Yeah. Colby and I discovered that apparently we built the exact same lightsaber. Is that true? It's very similar. It's very similar. Um, uh, the part of the
2: handle that has sort of the up and down vertical lines, mm-hmm. you have it higher up towards the uh, emitter where the blade comes out. I have it down lower under the ignition switch. Okay. Uh, But But did you get a blue one also? I I got green as a matter of fact. Uh, And the reason I got green was because I have, I'm sorry. I knew that. Now that you (laughs) said that. I got green and it's because I have uh, one of the, I don't know what it's called, but it was a gift. My parents gave to me years ago. It was around when the prequels were coming out and they started making the really nice high quality collectible lightsabers. The master Um, replicas. That, the, yes, uh, that. And I have the Skywalker lightsaber that Anakin and, and Luke started out with, and now Ray has. Um, so I've had that for many years, and I love it. And I thought to myself, now I have another chance to have a lightsaber. Let's go with green, because as a boy, you know, my, my big Star Wars moment was seeing Luke Skywalker ignite that lightsaber on, in Return of the Jedi. And yes. it was green. So, I will admit that I, I had a moment of doubt at the last minute when I was about to select the Kyber Crystal. I, I thought, because they, they, I'm not ruining anything, but they go over each um, Kyber Crystal color and who's used it. It yes. Talked about. And when they said Obi-Wan Kenobi in that blue light, uh, Kyber Crystal, I thought for a second, oh, I should get blue. <laughs> But then they got to green and they talked about Qui-Gon Jinn and Yoda and Luke Skywalker. And I'm like, nope, I'm going with green. So I I ended up going with green and I'm very happy. It's a hard choice.
0: No, I I think that's, I love your rationale too. And for me, it's, I don't think I've ever talked about this on the show, but for me, I've always gravitated towards blue. And and I think probably because my first real impressions of a lightsaber when you first see Obi-Wan and Luke have them in A New Hope. Yeah, yeah. But so I think that's somewhere in the in the recesses of my mind. But honestly, I think it's just because blue is my favorite color.
2: <laughs> it's not, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no,
0: no, but you can get different Kyber crystals and, you know, we go on and on about lightsabers and it's good. we'd be, we will be in our right to do so. But I want to, I want to <laughs> see what you thought about smugglers run, like where, what, uh, position on the Falcon did you take? what do you think of the interior? All that good stuff. So you alluded to Disney being really
2: good at managing crowds and this goes into my answer because the reservation system that we were a part of really was magnificent and that's not news. I know a lot of people have talked about that. Um, We went to Smuggler's Run and the first time, you know, after I have had my little freezing in time moment, we went right on to the ride and it was about a 25 minute wait, if I'm not mistaken. And I thought to myself, listen, it's not even nine o'clock in the morning we've already built a lightsaber i mean and that's and that's exactly what i wanted to do here this is all gravy now uh so we went, i figured we could go burn 25 minutes to a half an hour which it wasn't even uh 25 minutes uh and i gladly would have waited longer in that line because it is such a feast for the eyes the way that they've designed that queue is so much fun it's just so much fun. And, you know, I could go into all kinds of details, but let me get to the ride. Um, the first time I was the gunner, and I thought about this a lot. Uh, I, had, I had heard and read that the pilot position was – you had to pay a little bit more uh, attention than I wanted to pay when I was going to ride it for the first time. You know, what with, you know, not crashing into things and actually maneuvering through things. I wanted to watch us go into light speed. <laughs> I wanted to watch us fly through and I felt that the gunner position gave me the best opportunity to do that. And it worked out great. Uh, we actually went on uh, in a group of six, two people that we did not know, and they ended up getting pilot, which was fine with us. I was the gunner um, and uh, I believe Caleb, my oldest was also a gunner and my wife and Luke were um, engineers. So the gunner position was perfect for what I wanted it to be for which was just button smashing and watching us fly. (laughs) And it let me experience walking into the Millennium Falcon's cockpit. And it sort of still sounds surreal that I just said that. And sit down and buckle in and experience a trip through Star Wars galaxy, shooting at things and running from things and trying to boost some coaxium. Uh, and then later in the day we did go back because the line was very short. It was like a 10 minute wait. Uh, so I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but we went back and I got to be the engineer. Um, and the engineer I really enjoyed. So I have not done the pilot, but I can tell you that the engineer was a lot of fun because you have to harpoon things and you have to fix things that break. And when we're talking about the Falcon here, lots of stuff breaks. Uh, and it felt like the happy medium where I can enjoy the experience, but still feel like I'm participating, but for my taste, not too much and not too little. So they really hit the nail on the head there with the engineer position.
0: You know what? And and I I know you've heard me talk about this before, but I think the engineer position might be the coolest. I agree. Because you are in the very back and you see everything and, and you being the gunner the first time is an interesting choice as well. Because you do get you take a step back or a seat back more appropriately or accurately because you get to watch the pilots do their thing. Yeah. So that's that's cool. And there really isn't a bad seat in the cockpit because that's a good way to look at it. Do you want to be steering the action or do you want to observe and enjoy yeah. the action? That That's a great way to sort of break down how you're going to attack this.
2: And that's something I would really recommend anybody that's going there for the first time is what is it that you want to experience out of this? Because really, the whole land is designed exactly like that. What do you want to take out of this experience? You can go in there and look at it for the spectacle that it is and just enjoy walking through because there are so many things to look at and enjoy uh, just on a basic level. Or do you want to get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and really test your Star Wars metal uh, and have a ton of fun talking to cast members? What is it that you want to do there? And it's built for you to do just that. I really feel that way.
0: I agree with you. I very much agree with you. It's, it's an exciting thing. I, I want to read to you really quickly because we're talking about how much fun we're having. And I agree with you. Hyperbole is not the way to go because... Sometimes if you're excited about everything, it's hard to know sort of where the line is. True. So it's, it's okay to be discerning and, and clearly you are And this place is just a great place. It took your breath away very much like it did mine. I want to share with you and in, in our coffee with Kenobi family, an email we got from the great LJ Souter, who is a longtime uh, friend of the show, Patreon supporter. He's just done. He's been really great for the show as of you, of course. But this is what LJ wrote. He said, I'm ashamed to admit it. I'm not really psyched to go to Galaxy's Edge. I thought I would be. I thought I would have already have plans to go to Orlando in late 2019 and check it out. But I'm ambivalent about the whole thing and I need your help. A few weeks ago, I was at Universal Studios in Orlando. I've been there before, but while I was sitting in the Wizarding World, I started thinking about previously stated feelings That I had about Galaxy's Edge. I love Hogsmeade and Diagon Alley. And I'm not even a super fan of the franchise. Why was I not excited. About Galaxy's Edge. Then it hit me. It's the familiarity. I came around the corner. Into Diagon Alley. And saw the street and areas. That I've come to know in the movies and books. I got to. Get a wand in Ollivanders. Went into Gringotts. We bought candy and and honeydukes in Hogsmeade. That too is something new, and while that in and of itself is cool, as well as the Falcon being there, it's not going to have those nostalgic beats that I get when I go into the wizarding world. I need your help, Mr. Talent. (laughs) (laughs) How does does Galaxy's Edge, and that is a joke that people who listen to Patreon and RCWK-Porever will understand, how does Galaxy's Edge hit those notes for fans like us? Even though it is new... How does it feel like Star Wars? I hope I'm making sense. Thanks for the time. LJ, I am extremely glad that you shared this and you and I have emailed back and forth about this because I wanted to make sure you were okay with me sharing this with our audience and you are. So I think, LJ, that this is more than okay. I mean, that sort of ties into how I feel or I sometimes feel when I'm about to experience something huge that I'm really looking forward to when it comes to the Star Wars universe. For example, when I first saw the Phantom Menace or attack of the clones, or even going to see the force awakens, you get so keyed up and so excited and you really want it to be all these things. But Star Wars is tricky because so much of it is, is the familiarity, like you mentioned. And sometimes when that familiarity isn't there initially, because it's something new, it throws us for a loop. I mean, so many of us know beat by beat A New Hope perfectly, or The Empire Strikes Back, or Jedi, or a lot of these films. So, when you first see a new one, at least for me, sometimes it throws me off because I don't know every single part of it. Then you go into Galaxy's Edge, and you know, it's not Dagobah, it's not Hoth, it's not Tatooine, it's not Coruscant, it's, well, it's not Mustafar. That's probably a really good thing. <laughs> but, but there, there, I can see why you would say that, but I can legitimately tell you. Seeing the Falcon will take all of that away, for sure. And as will the marketplace. I feel like the marketplace. I mentioned this before. Feels like, um, you know, Mos Espa or Maz castle entrance. It just feels like Star Wars in this in this wonderful way. And there's a lot of warmer environments in the Star Wars saga. And Galaxy's Edge feels like you're right there. And at least that's sort of my initial thoughts. Uh, what do you think about this, Colby? I
2: think that it's a very, very valid point that LJ brings up. And I think it is wonderful that he did and that you're sharing it with, uh, with all of us on the podcast because maybe other people may have the same, um, concern and they may not speak up about it because, oh, well, maybe that makes me less of a Star Wars fan or something like that. The things right. that come with that. So I think it's, uh, it's wonderful that LJ reached out and, and brought that up. Uh, what I would say to it is that, as I referenced before this somehow, and really they deserve all the recognition possible, the people that designed and built this place, the concepts. And, you know, they really took a chance. They took a chance putting it on a planet that had never been spoken of before this, because it does negate all of the familiarity that you referenced, Dan. Uh, it's, it's very, um, risky in a way that they did that Uh, because they could have just cashed in on the nostalgia that they all know we would throw our money at. Uh, But really they did none of that. They it's very obvious that this land was constructed and was designed by people that know these stories and that care about these stories, that these stories have value to them. It's not just a corporation uh, putting something out there to print more money. It was something that they wanted to get right and share with, with people. And the way that I experienced that was going in there and it was like a big sandbox. And I wanted, I, I have wanted to play in this sandbox my entire life. And I can experience parts of that sandbox by watching the movies and by talking to people about it and watching the different shows and, being as immersed as I want to be, if I want to read comics and books, all those things are there for us. But this is completely different and completely new. And what you want out of it, it's designed for you to be able to take out of it. Um, the cast member interaction there's enough familiarity there, what with the Falcon and Chewbacca walking around and lightsabers and all the different things you can look at and purchase if you want and the marketplace. Uh, the feel of this place is authentic Star Wars. You feel like you're walking through the streets. Um, so I am so confident in saying to LJ and anybody that may feel uh, concerned as he did, that you can go here and you can experience something that's so unique because it's got that familiarity, but it's also got brand new things. And how they found that balance, I can't praise enough. I really can't compliment enough that they did find that balance. I, I just watched A New Hope uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact. It was a nice Sunday morning, and i uh, sorry, a Sunday afternoon, and nothing really was going on. So I threw on A New Hope and I watched Obi-Wan and Luke go through the streets of Tatooine. And I actually had this thought. I said, "That reminds me of Batu. That reminds me of walking around Batu." And all they were doing was walking through like a narrow corridor, <laughs> walking into the cantina. <laughs> and that's what they've provided for us is to go there and experience the joy that these stories have given to us, but it's not just us consuming them. We're able to go and participate in it.
0: And miraculously, it doesn't feel commercialized, even though there's certainly commercial aspects of it. But that's you know, we want to buy things. Star Wars fans like to buy things. We like yeah. that. That's a part of it. And in like you you just mentioned so beautifully, a really really um, excellent way to to answer LJ's question is that it's got this beautiful blend of old and new, which is what Star Wars really is. Yeah. And then you look at Doug Chang and the fact that he's told us. You know, Macquarie inspired this, the angles, uh, the look, the design, the the balance of how the land is laid out in Corey Club could do a much better job of explaining it than I can as far as the design aspects of things. But it's all there and it does. I've said this before. I'll say it many, many more times. I said it on WDW radio as well. This is built by stars fans for stars fans. It feels authentic it feels like the real deal. I'm, um, uh, I like a lot of star Wars. Yeah. There's some things I don't like as much. I am a discerning critic sure. and I can legitimately say that it, it took everything that I wanted and, and took it to places. I never dreamed possible. I felt like I was home in the star Wars universe and LJ, I'm really confident that you will too.
2: Yeah, I but, agree. Bringing the, if I can, I'm sorry to interrupt, but if, no, sure. Uh, I wanted to, to talk on that point, too, about feeling like your home. I, I know you don't say that lightly. No. And I don't, and I don't say it lightly either uh, because home is a very important place for everyone. Mm-hmm. But these stories in this franchise, they, they are important to us, and they have been our home in many different ways for many different people. And when you walk into that land, you do, you do feel like you're walking into a place that you belong to.
0: That's right. You very much belong there, and in this is something for everyone to listen to and to think about. If you go there and you feel underwhelmed, that's okay too. You know, it, it doesn't it doesn't change, and you addressed this already. Kobe, but it doesn't it doesn't change your 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 place as a Star Wars fan. If you like Star Wars, you're a fan. There's really no science to it. It's okay. It's okay to like all of it. It's okay not to like all of it. It doesn't really matter. What matters is that. It speaks to you. And that's what Star Wars does. That's why it continues to reinvent itself. It speaks to so many of us. And I think this for me and for, for Colby too, it just it hits all those notes. And I'm hoping that so many of us will go to Celebration Anaheim next year in 2020. And we'll all get to experience Galaxy's Edge together. That would be pretty great. That would be magnificent. So it looks like, unfortunately, our coffee is running low. Uh, is there anything you want to talk about really quickly, Colby, before we sign off for this week's show?
2: Just real quick, uh, like I said earlier, you will take out of it what you put into it. it, it really, I really believe that. Um, just, I could talk for hours about the cast member interaction that we had. Uh, and just the openness there to do what you want to do there. And the more I did, you know, I yelled at stormtroopers to get out of being a stormtrooper and I told them that FN2187 did and they can't do. Uh, I got to hug Chewbacca. You know, we talked about, uh, a cast member was talking about how someone else was talking about a place called Target that was off world <laughs> and. And didn't they didn't know what that meant <laughs> and it was there's so many stories I could sit here and talk to you all about um put everyone to sleep I'm sure but it's it it really is and and that's because I went in excited about it and wanting to play and wanting to experience what it was there for and if that's not your thing then that, then you, there's no pressure there to do that and that's the beautiful thing you don't you're not going to be singled out by anybody. You get to go in there and play in that big sandbox to the level that you want to. And I just, I can't wait to go back.
0: I can't either. And what you said just it helped to inspire me to hope yet again that maybe that Target commercial will become canon. I mean, if they're talking about it on Batuu. Makes sense to me. But you were at the Target commercial and you were on Batuu and Batu is in canon. So there you go. <laughs> I love it. You're, you're going to be my new agent. Good. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Colby, I can't thank you enough for being um, not only a great supporter of the show, uh, both through Patreon and through social media and just your friendship. Uh, I, it's been an absolute joy chatting with you today on this show. Let everybody know where they can reach out to you if they want to ask you any questions or just say hello.
2: Oh, by all means. Um, I am on Twitter and my Twitter handle is at cross checked three, the number three. Uh, so I'm more than happy to talk to anybody about star Wars and about other things too. If, if that's what you'd like to do. I, up to this point, honestly, Dan, I've been pretty much a social media consumer, not much of a contributor, but you know, I, I feel that, um, in the last year or so there has been an awakening and I uh, feel like I have, um, things to contribute to this wonderful fandom. And I, I'm more than happy to talk to anybody that is willing to talk to me.
0: Well, you certainly uh, showed on this show that you are an excellent person to talk stars with. Thank you again for being a guest on Coffee with Kenobi.
2: It is my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Listening to Coffee with Kenobi, you are the podcast you're
1: looking for. This is...
0: Before we close out this week's show, I want to thank our CWK sponsors, Penguin Random House Audio, MEI and Mouse Fan Travel, and One Nation Coffee. Please support them the way they support our podcast. And remember to listen to new and archived shows of Coffee with Kenobi wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, YouTube, where you can find the audio as well as some occasional videos or our website, www.coffeewithkanobi.com or wherever you enjoy listening to your favorite shows. And if you listen to our show through iTunes, please leave us a review. You can also find us on social media apps such as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest, and we'd love for you to check us out there. Be sure to listen to our CWK family of shows, too, including Legends Library, Resistance Reactions, Comics with Kenobi, and Lattes with Leia please leave a review for each of their shows as well and be sure to subscribe to each of them individually on their own respective feeds. In addition to the places I just mentioned for Coffee with Kenobi, you can find me personally twice a month on the podcast Looking at Lucasfilm, part of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network as well as on Twitter at Mr. Zare M-R-Z-E-H-R and you can find my writings on CWK's website as well as StarWars.com where I am an official blogger there as well as on IGN where I contribute articles on Star Wars as well as some other topics. Again, I want to thank our guests for this week's show, Colby Mead and Tom Gross. Awesome talking to both of them. That's what this show continues to do for me. It allows me to talk Star Wars with my friends, both new and old, and I can't thank you enough for helping to make that happen. I mentioned earlier that we were going to do something a little bit different on our Patreon page, and I will tell you now, I'll go into more detail on this week's CWK Pour Over. But what we're going to do each and every month, we're going to take a percentage of each amount of money we earn on CWK on our Patreon page, and we're going to donate it to the St. Jude's Children's Hospital. I can't think of a more worthy or important way to take the money you're gracious enough to give us every month and to improve the quality of these incredible children who are fighting so hard against things they shouldn't have to. But this is the world we live in, and you know what? We need to do something about that. So a percentage of your contributions, I'm going to take 10% of each month's donations to Coffee with Kenobi through our Patreon page and give that to St. Jude. Thank you, as always, for joining me each and every week for a cup of coffee, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedules to talk about and break down the Star Wars saga with me. This truly is the best mythology, and I cannot think of better people to discuss it with than each of you. Until next time, this is the podcast you're looking for. Move along. Move along. Looking to catch up on the latest Star Wars books? Try listening to them on audio. Featuring sound effects and music directly from the movies, Star Wars audiobooks are the definitive listening experience. From brand new audiobooks such as Alphabet Squadron and the audiobook exclusive Dooku Jedi Lost to our blockbuster movie tie-in editions, you'll have plenty of Star Wars to keep you entertained. Start listening wherever audiobooks are sold.